Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. This is the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective. This is lesson number eight of part one of this subject. There will be other parts, and there are more lessons in part one. This is lesson number eight. And uh, this is really, really, they're all important, but this is, uh, this is a key and very pivotal lesson in understanding the role of motive in how God uses us or whether or not he uses us at all. So uh, the opening statement I'd like to make is, the works of faith are wrought through the motive of agape love. Galatians 5 and 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Uh, the Amplified says, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Uh, we see Spanish translation says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision is of any power nor uncircumcision, but faith coming to effective expression through love. And then the... Uh, New Matthew Bible, New Testament says, For in Christ Jesus neither is circumcision worth anything, nor yet uncircumcision, but faith, which by love is mighty in operation. So the important thing, the word we really, word we really need to look at here is the word that says, Faith worketh by love. Faith worketh by love. So the word work, according to Thayer's, is a Greek word, energeo, which uh, is the Greek word from which we get the word English word, energy. It means to be operative, to be at work, to put, por- put forth power. Uh, Complete Word Study uh, Bible Dictionary says the word means to be at work, to be effective, to be operative. And the, the preposition translated by, faith worketh by love, is the Greek preposition dia, which is D-I-A. It's a primary position preposition denoting the channel of an act or through. Uh, Thayer says the word, it means the word through, the ground or reason by which something is or is not done, by reason of, because of, for this reason. So uh, it's that speaks the motive then, doesn't it? Faith works, is activated, operated, energized by love. Love is the key that starts the engine of faith. That's really important for us to get this. Faith works by love. Love is the ultimate motive. It's the ultimate selfless motive. Because agape love, which is the primary word for love regarding God, uh, it is selfless love. It is doing what you're doing because you care about people even if they don't respond positively, even if they don't give back what you're, what, what they could in response to your love for them. Even if they don't love you back, you love them. People are not going to hell because God quit loving them. They're going to hell because they refuse to accept that love, to receive that love, to let that love work in their lives. I said, I'm going to say that again. People are not going to hell because God quits loving them. God is love. 
He doesn't stop loving them. He hates what they're doing. But they choose to do things that are wrong, and they're they're punished in hell because of their choice, because they refuse to let him love them, because letting him love them means they can't do their own thing, their own will, live their own way. Because if you love God, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to paraphrase. If you love me, do my will. If you're not doing my will, you don't love me. That's why it's a day-to-day, day-by-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute quest uh, by the grace of God for us to do the will of God and not our own will. Now, I haven't successfully done that uh, 24 whole hours before. Uh, I guess I've come close. I don't know. I want to do that. I want to do the will of God every moment. Wake, uh, awake or asleep. That is the goal. That's the purpose. I want to do the will of the Father. So if I love him, I want to do his will. I want to keep his commandments. So love is motive. But love is also the, mo- the motivation that causes faith to work. And I will say this to you. I can appear to operate faith by some motive other than love. But you can't trust what faith produces when the motive behind the faith is not the love of God. You can't trust it. So let's look at love in relation to faith as motive and what God does in, by, and through us uh, in a few different places of Scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. Now, he wasn't technically saying two different things there, but he was giving two different aspects or views or dimensions of the same thing. I remember remembering without ceasing your work of faith, which was a labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ on the side of God and our, our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, uh, be- brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. We weren't there for our sake. We were there for your sake, for the Lord's sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Acacia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, but also in every place your faith is to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything for they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So Paul says, I know of your faith and your, your work of faith and labor of love because I know how you received us. And I know you know our attitude and motive for coming to you. And I know how much affliction you've gone through that so that you become a, an example. And your example 
has sounded out a word of the Lord in all of this region because they know of you and what you've gone through and they know how you've suffered and they know how faithful you've been and they know your motives. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you because we see that lived out in you and the way you lived it out had an impact on them and how you turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for the son, his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, the love of God <laughs> is everything. It's not the only thing, but it is ultimately everything. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12, he said, Grace of all the commandments is, Hero is, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's no other commandments greater than these. And love is the foundation of all of that. Why? Because God is love. He has power, but he is love. He has power, but he is love. He has wisdom and knowledge, but he is love. He has authority, but he is love. Because that's his motive for everything. Love is his motive for everything. And as his children, and as members of his body, love is supposed to be our motive for everything. And if we're striving to have results, results of our faith, and our motive is anything other than love, we're falling way short of what the Lord intended. All in short of it. So let's talk a little bit about love from that perspective. Listen to what John, John, John he was called the apostle of love, but he wasn't, he, he wasn't, uh, he didn't say things uh, uh, gently. He said it pretty straightforward, didn't he? If you read the whole uh, gospels of John, first John, second John, third John, it's pretty, some pretty direct statements there. But let's, let's read what he said here. I'm just going to begin reading 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoa. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Whoso, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Because why? Hatred is a wrong motive. The guy's done something I didn't like, I didn't want, or he didn't help me, or whatever the reason is, it's all about me. I hate him because of me, how he has affected me. So it's about me, so it's about motive, so hatred is a motive. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, so ought we to lay down our lives for the brethren. Motive. Here's what he did for us. This is his motive in doing what he did for us. And because he's now in us, shouldn't his motive now be our motive? He laid down his life for us. Notice it said exactly the same thing. And we ought to lay down our lives. For the brethren, 
But whosoever hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Wow. Oof. Anyone that has a brother. I don't know if that's speaking of general population or of our brothers in Christ, those that are in Christ with us. But if we see they have a need and we have the ability to help and we don't help, we can't say that we love God because we're not showing love to our brother. Verse 19, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Now, this is really critical now. He's talking about love. And then all of a sudden it changes. For if our hearts condemn us not, we say we have love, but we're not acting like we have love. God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Right motive. The motive isn't what we can get. The motive is we're asking because we want to please him. We want his word to be fulfilled. And this is the commandment that we should believe on him, on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So if God is love and his spirit is in us, and we are submitted to his will, and our motives are pure, what are we going to do? We're going to do what he wants to do, which is we're going to let him love others through us. The second greatest commandment. And we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Well, we can talk about self-love, which the world talks about. Or we can talk about the love we have for ourselves, which we receive from God. We love him because he first loved us. But biblically, we love ourselves. We find our worth in the fact that he loved us. John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 says essentially the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And and John 3, uh, 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, so ought we to lay down our life for the, for the brethren. So here, here he's demonstrating his love. He's demonstrating his motive. And he's saying, if we abide in him and he's in us, we should have the same motive him as him. Love. Love should be behind what we do. Now, I love God, and uh, I want to please God. And therefore, I'm sitting here making this video, not because my body wants to be. My body's tired. My back hurts. Other places hurt. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here for one reason. 
not just to obey him, not because I fear him if I don't do what he says. I'm sitting here because I love him because he first loved me. I can't ever repay him. I can't. But because I love him, I have to let him do this for you through me. So technically, I'm not doing this for you. Technically, I'm doing this because I love him. And he wants to do this for you. And so I have no choice. Well, I do have a choice, but it's not an acceptable choice. Because the choice is, if I love him, I do this. If I don't do this, I don't love him. Because this is what he's told me to do. And I am his, and I am his conduit. He wants to do this through me. I have a responsibility because of love to let him do that. So then I'm not doing this for you. He's doing this for you. I'm simply doing this with him because he loved me first and I love him back. And I'm letting his love flow through you to me. It's not my love. It's his love flowing through me to you so that you can know what it takes to please God. Let's go farther in John's discussion of love. First John chapter four, beginning with verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for God is love. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So everyone that doesn't love is either not born of God or they're no longer living in that relationship they were born into. He that, verse eight, he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. So there's twice in two verses that John by the Holy Ghost has said, God is love. Not he has love. He is love. God is love. God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. <laughs> if God loved me, and I don't love you, then my motives for receiving his love is not pleasing to him. My motive for receiving his love is, is to allow him to manifest himself for who he is. To let him love me his way to his glory. He gets glorified. He is manifested and revealed by me submitting and allowing him to love me and his love to work in me and produce in me and through me what it is he wants to do. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for his sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. But that's not all. Since no man has seen God at any time, if we love one another, God dwells in us, and this world can see God in us and lived out through us. That's the responsibility you and I have. He didn't do all this for me just to save my hide from hell. So I could live in this life doing my own thing. Living in my will. He didn't do that. 
He didn't do that to make this heaven on earth for me. He did that because that made me a part of his body. And the purpose of his bo- purpose and mission of his body on the earth is the same purpose and mission that he had on the earth as the man Christ Jesus for those 30, 33 plus years. And that body has been taken to heaven to become the head. And now we are the body of Christ. And whatever the purpose of that body of that Christ was, we are now the body of that head. That body has become the head of us, the body. And whatever his mission and purposes was, or our mission and purposes as a part of him. And that was to manifest God to this world. So people could see God manifested. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him, and he in us. Because he hath given us of his spirit. Now, Paul said in Romans 5, verse 5, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's not hard for me to know the love of God's in me. All I have to do is let it flow. And I feel it manifested all over again. He's there all the time. But when I let the spirit flow, I can feel the manifestation. I can feel, experience the manifestation of his love all over again. So hereby we know, verse 13, 1 John 4. Hereby we know that we, that we are, we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I can't separate right motive, and love is the right motive. I can't separate right motive from God and me being a part of God. I can't separate it. So when I am doing things with the wrong motive, I'm putting distance between me and God. And if I begin to do that habitually, without repentance, without desire, without asking him to forgive me and change me and make me more and more like him, then eventually he will withdraw from me. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. We have known experiential knowledge and believe. We trust and rely on the love that God hath to us. God is love. There's a third time in this chapter it's been said. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, not meaning flawless. That's not the Greek word there. It is complete or whole, finished, that we may have boldness, or the Greek word is confidence, In the day of judgment, which is the Greek word K-R-I-S-I-S, from which we get the English word crisis. Because as he is, so are we in this world. What? That's his goal? Yes. Whatever the man Christ Jesus was on this earth, and whatever he still is as the one sitting on the throne of heaven, as the only visible representation of the infinite Invisible, I am God forever. We are now supposed to be that. 
we're supposed to be that. Here is our love made complete that we may have confidence in the day of crisis. Now, how can I have confidence in the day of judgment, that judgment, if I don't learn how to have crisis, if I don't let the Lord teach me how to rely on him to have confidence in the, in my crises or crises in this earth? How can I have it? Because as he is, so are we. Present tense, not future tense. As he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We haven't grown up in that love. We haven't become mature in that love. We love him because he first loved us. If I don't receive his love unconditionally, I don't have any love with which to love him back. When we are commanded to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's agape. I can only get agape, agape by receiving agape unconditionally without earning it or deserve it, which I can never do no matter what I do. I can only ever receive it as love, not as a reward. I can only receive love as love, given freely, unmerited. Now, the scripture says that's the only way I can have love to give back to him. He is the source of what he requires from me. He expects of me, this is a commandment, to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I can't love agape him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength if I don't let him give it to me first. I have no other source of it. And if I am to agape my neighbor as I agape myself, I cannot see my own self-worth without receiving agape from him. And I can't be a conduit of him, his agape to others if I don't first receive it and then submit myself for him to be a conduit of his love through me. Faith works by love. And everything in ministry is the, for the purpose of allowing agape to flow through me in meeting the, the spiritual needs of others both temporal spiritual needs and eternal spiritual needs of others. So Paul, John concludes, 1 John 4, If any man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now, in closing out this lesson, I want to share with you some of the most powerful verses that are anywhere in the Bible relating to you and I. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. For the love of Christ constrains us, captures us, and compels us. Remember where the scripture says that Jesus told us to pray, commanded us to pray, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth the laborers into the harvest. That word send forth there is ekbalo, eject, force out authoritatively. Here's how it happens. Here's how that happens. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because, here's why the love of Christ constrains us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for us, verse 15, 
that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That's what it means to have the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ, and to be compelled by the love of Christ to be a conduit of his ministry in this world so that he can manifest and reveal himself to lost mankind. Paul continued the thought and confirmed what I just said to you. Verse 16, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, quite honestly, I don't know anybody that verse has truly been fulfilled in their lives from my understanding of the verse. But I will say this to you. That's the promise. That's the goal. That's what the Lord is working in us as we continue to be faithful with him. We continue to let the word of God work in our lives. Let the love of God work in our lives by the word of God, the spirit of God, the blood of Jesus, and the name of Jesus, the spirit of grace, and the spirit of mercy, and and righteousness, and holiness, and peace, and joy. We let these things continue to work in us as the Lord uses those things to work in us. He will, he, he, his goal is to bring us to the place that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. To it, or take note of this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus Christ died on the cross to bring the world back to God because the world can't get to God any other way. To wit, uh, verse 18 again, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So he's given us the ministry of reconciliation by giving us the word of reconciliation, which represents what he did and communicates what he did for mankind and for this world, that he paid the price to bring them to him. Next verse. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, in Christ's stead, in Christ's place, because the head, Christ, is on the throne. The body of Christ is still on the earth. So in the place of the one who was on the earth before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the ascension, we are in that place, and we are to do the ministry of reconciliation by speaking the word of reconciliation with the motives of the love of Christ constraining us because we acknowledge we were dead and could do nothing for ourselves and his love resurrected us so that we would be a part of him and his love still constrains us because we were dead and now we're alive, but we're not supposed to take that life and live it unto ourselves, but unto him that died for us and rose again. So that now, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's dead, be you reconciled to God. And here it is, last verse. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
what, what, what a Savior. What a God who would cause his logos. The only part of the infinite God that could be made known in the finite. He caused to be robed in flesh, who was himself, was the only visible representation of the invisible God. And he caused his body, his sinless being, to take all of our sins on us and down the cross for us. Now, he's done all of that for us. We think we can live our lives our way and ask him to bless us doing our will, our way, and it's okay? And it's okay with him? No. Because when I do my thing, instead of doing his will, my motives are wrong. Remember, faith works by love. So whatever appears to be faith working through you, if the motive is not pure, I really can't be attributed to God. Whatever I'm trying to get from God, motive's not right. He wouldn't love me if he gave it to me. Now I can press him until he does what is not his will because I won't leave him alone with it. I'm not going to like the results. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for you and me that the Lord would give us a revelation of his love and that we would yield to him to be constrained by his love. Because of the revelation that we were dead, we could do nothing for ourselves, and we can still do nothing for ourselves, that the life that's now in us is him, that he's resurrected for us from the dead, and that we should not live for ourselves, but that we should live for him that died for us and rose again so that we can be his conduit, his body, so that he can manifest and reveal himself in the earth to this world, to the lost souls of men and women. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.